the project itself is just a fantastic project. It's a very dynamic project, and the students respond to it. It really takes them out of their normal uh, thinking inside of a classroom or inside of a school and, and forces them to get out of that mold uh, and create something that's compelling. Hi, I'm Zach, and I'm joined by my colleagues Craig and Pam. Join us as we introduce you to Student Cam, C-SPAN's annual video documentary competition for middle and high school students. Through this project-based learning experience, students develop new skills, discover new interests, and unlock the potential to explore new opportunities. In this episode, we'll cover the competition basics, highlight the benefits of participating, and offer tips to help teachers get started as their students compete for the chance to win one of 150 cash prizes that total $100,000. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for joining us today. And we're so excited to talk about one of the very best programs that C-SPAN offers. That's our annual Student Cam Video Documentary Competition. Each year since 2004, C-SPAN has asked students in middle school and high school to take part in our competition by creating a five to six minute long video that examines an issue of their choice, but one that has great national significance. Yeah, so each year we award $100,000 in cash prizes to the top 150 student produced videos. And for the three of us as the judges of this competition, but all former teachers ourselves, we feel that this is one of the very best project-based learning opportunities for young people that's out there to not only provide them with a platform to have their voices heard on the issues that they care about, but to also help them develop real-life skills that will serve them well in their personal and professional lives. So for this year's competition, we're asking students, how does the federal government impact your life? We want students to explore a federal policy or program that has an impact on them or their community, and we want them to evaluate the effectiveness of that chosen policy or program. So in keeping with C-SPAN's programming philosophy of showing all sides of the issues that we cover on our television network, we also want students to research multiple perspectives on whatever their chosen topic may be, including those perspectives that they may not personally agree with. That's an important stipulation and one that is going to help them as they think critically about their chosen topic. Well, and speaking of their chosen topic, um, Pam, in what classes do you think that this project could be completed? The theme can really be tied to any number of subjects that someone is teaching. So, for example, government teachers, students can link the role of the government to a specific policy issue that they are interested in that's being discussed today. In thinking about history teachers, they may have students explore the Equal Rights Amendment, which is also a topic that's on the agenda. Uh, geography students may want to consider exploring environmental issues, 
or even for economic students, they may want to take a look at social safety programs. So really, whatever the subject you teach and ultimately whatever topic the students choose to focus their video on, you hopefully get the idea that there are no right or wrong answers to the prompt, as long as the students are tying their chosen topic to a federal policy or program. We really try to emphasize this when we speak with students about the competition, but we want them to choose an issue that they are personally interested in or particularly passionate about. That really shines through when we're judging their work, and if you look at really any of the winning videos from recent years, it's pretty clear how those stories and personal connections will uh, resonate with the viewers. It's also important to note here that this is an amateur video competition. Students don't need to have any prior experience shooting or editing videos, and they certainly don't need any fancy equipment in order to participate. In fact, many of the students who have participated in the competition in recent years, they're doing so using the cameras and the basic editing apps on their phones. So we really want to emphasize here that the focus for students should primarily center on their video content and the presentation of their research that they will conduct on whatever their chosen topic may be. Absolutely, Craig. An amateur video competition. And now that we've discussed this year's student cam theme and a little bit about the potential topics of study, we're going to now spend some time discussing the specifics of what the project actually entails. First, we'll discuss how to get your students started on their student cam projects. Before that, though, we're going to hear from Clifton Raphael, a former winning student cam advisor and current video production teacher at Jenks High School in Oklahoma, about how he leads his students through the earliest stages of the project. I ask my students to see their entries as video research papers. Every year I find that I have students, even juniors and seniors, who have never written research papers. So I try to make the steps as straightforward as possible. First, I have them pitch potential ideas to me, always making sure that they're addressing this year's prompt. We then discuss as a class the advantages and challenges of each potential subject. Once my students have chosen their subjects, I then have them delve into the research, accessing databases first, those available both through our school's media center and also through the Tulsa City County Library System. Only then do I also let them explore their topics by Googling. I allow them some time in class to do this, at which point I'm floating around the room asking them what they're gathering and pointing them toward other helpful sources. I also double-check their sources with them, making sure they know that just because information comes from a .org site, that doesn't necessarily mean it's reliable. And by the same token, a .com isn't necessarily unreliable, a good example there being WashingtonPost.com. They accumulate their information in no particular order, making sure to keep track of where their information is coming from so that they can cite their sources since that's one of the requirements of the competition just as it is, of course, for a research paper. As we heard in the clip, in its earliest form, each student cam submission is equivalent to a research paper. But let's dig into the specifics of student cam just a little bit more and the many ways that teachers can offer this opportunity in their schools and in their classrooms. Craig and Pam, to start off, should students plan to work by themselves, with a partner, or with a larger team? Uh, you know, it really is their choice. So we've seen uh, some students who might prefer to work on this type of project by themselves. So we saw a lot of that last year as the pandemic made it difficult for students to collaborate. Often in times they were working virtually. But even in normal years, we quite often see students who may be personally passionate about a specific topic that may have affected them or their families directly, uh, that they're working and entering uh, their submission as an individual. On the other hand, we also see students participate in pairs or in groups of up to three, especially if this has been assigned as a class project. So by participating as a team, students are able to share the workload in terms of researching and producing their documentary, 
But the only caveat here is that if a team wins a prize for their video, each member of the team will receive an even split of the allocated prize money. Yeah, we've seen throughout the years that students take different approaches. So some team up with peers who have different skill sets. We'll have students who are more interested in being behind the scenes, doing some research, storyboarding, or maybe framing questions for the interviews that they're going to be doing. Others prefer to be in front of the camera, presenting the information and conducting the interviews. Or maybe there's someone who has a talent for production or editing using video equipment. They might be interested in in partnering up that way. One note here, though, is that students do not need to appear on camera. They can narrate their video while showing their research and discussing their issues. So that's something to keep in mind. And then again, other students choose to work together based on a common interest in an issue. So it really is up to the students, their interests, and knowing themselves and what they can put into and contribute to their documentary. Uh, They should keep in mind, though, that they will need to collaborate and communicate. So they should be sure they can connect in person or virtually to complete the project. I would totally be the guy that is not on camera. I would definitely work more behind the scenes myself. But it basically sounds like it's it's really up to up to the students how they want to work, how they want to collaborate. But how much time will students need to complete the project and, and to collaborate and to work through their student camp submission? And what preparation should the teacher do before presenting this project to students? Yeah, again, in our experience, this varies among the students. Some will start the project a few weeks before the January 20th deadline. Others will begin the process at the beginning of the school year. It does take time to develop a quality documentary, so students should consider the work that goes into producing it. And teachers have approached the project in different ways as well, knowing their block schedule, the time that they can permit if they're going to be doing this project in a classroom. We've had social studies teachers collaborate with ELA and media teachers or even librarians, as you indicated the other day, Zach, when we were talking about it, as a cross-curricular project where they can each contribute their area of Uh, interest and support students in their discipline from content to how to frame interview questions and draft a script uh, to conducting research and the production and editing aspects of a film. So we have a a number of helpful resources that are available on our StudentCam website at studentcam.org and those are designed to help you get started and introduce the competition as a class project. So there are guides and templates to help students as they initially start to brainstorm and think about how they want to structure their projects And from there, we have charts to help them begin to frame the different sides and the perspectives around their chosen topic. That's important uh, to consider, you know, when they're considering alternating perspectives on the topics, helps them add balance to their presentations. And for you as a teacher, we also have a suggested rubric that you can adapt and edit for your own classroom needs if you're introducing this as a graded class project. And that rubric template was designed by a teacher who assigns a competition uh, to his students each year. And you can easily adjust that to your own expectations for your students. So it sounds like there's a ton of resources available at studentcam.org for students getting started, but also for teachers presenting this project to their students. Um, but aside from just traditional research, we mentioned it's, it takes the initial form of a research paper. Um, how can students take their video documentary to the next level, Pam? Interviews are a way students can definitely set themselves apart from other entries. They're not a requirement, but they can enhance a project. So students can get a more in-depth look at their issue when they conduct interviews. Uh, They can also help add balance on the topic. They can add credibility, too. 
So in a moment, we're going to be hearing from a former competition participant, Ella Grace Rodriguez from Winter Park, Florida. Ella Grace entered and won prizes in student camp every year from her sophomore year through her senior year in high school. Last year, she worked with us to create a series of tutorials on our Getting Started page that are designed to help walk students through the process of developing their documentary. So in this clip, she talks about how students can take their work to the next level by interviewing experts on their issue. When setting up interviews, the first thing you need to do is create an initial list of people to interview. Looking back at the research that you've done, these can be really anyone that pertains to the issue and questions that you have from your research. So here are some examples of people that might be great to begin for your initial interviews. Politicians, historians, professors, activists, or anyone directly involved and or affected by the issue. Once you have an initial list of people that you want to interview, begin to look them up online and see where you can contact them. For a lot of professors and politicians, for instance, there is a website affiliated with the government or the university that provides means of communication, whether that's by cell phone or email. For activists and those directly involved in the issue, social media may be a great tool to use as well. Now, while email and direct messaging are great outlets to use towards communicating and grabbing your individuals, one of the best ways that I found to interview potential interviewees is to call. By calling, you have a personal touch and connection, and yes, while it's really scary to call people, this will be the most personal and effective way for your interviewee to say yes to a call. It's really hard to say no to someone on the phone. So building on what Ella Gray shared in that clip, when thinking about who to interview, students may want to first consider their own personal networks. So with their family members, neighbors, or friends of family members who work in a related field or have personally been affected by their topic? If not, do those people uh, know people in their own network of friends, extended family and acquaintances who may be able to speak with them? This is one of those moments that may begin to open up a range of possibilities for students as they start to see how networking with people who have mutual interests can really open up a new world of opportunities for them. Students can also note significant people who they discover when they are doing their research. So as they're reading papers or books and articles, they can consider the authors or professors who may have written them, or historians or other professionals who are related to their topic, who can provide insight, who are they going to learn from. Even legislators at the local, state, and federal levels can provide key information on an issue and how it could be addressed as well. So students can reach out to them and ask if they would agree to participate in a five to ten minute interview. Another strategy is to contact experts who have appeared on C-SPAN in the past. So if a student reaches out to someone who's appeared on C-SPAN and mentions that they are doing a project for a C-SPAN competition, that person may be more inclined to participate in an interview for this project since they are already familiar with our television network. And as Ella Grace said in her clip, if an adult sees a young person who's genuinely interested in a topic that they are knowledgeable, knowledgeable about, uh, then it's really hard for them to say no to them as students. And we love seeing students make those connections. Absolutely, Craig. And now that we've talked about how uh, Student Cam is a lot like a research project and we've talked about how to get started and we've talked about um, who students should be reaching out to to interview to, to take their documentary to the next level – um, do you guys have any suggestions on how students should conduct these interviews once they find someone to speak with? Students can interview people in a variety of ways, and they've shared their ideas on how they've connected with people. They can be very resourceful. 
If someone would like to meet in person, they can bring equipment to capture that conversation on video. But phone calls are also a great way to connect. If students have recorded the audio or use FaceTime to connect interviews, and they've shared that in their videos. Also, last year with the shift to virtual platforms due to the pandemic, we all had greater access to people across the country. And students used that opportunity to break barriers to connect with people to conduct interviews. So that was exciting to see the access there. Email is also another option. Students can send their questions to their contact and have that person respond to them in an email or a pre-taped video. Students have shown or shared that portion of the responses in their projects as well. So we encourage students to cast a wide net and follow up with potential interviewees. So I'm not as much of a fisherman as you, um, Pam and Craig, but I do get that analogy about casting a wide net. You're trying to find as many folks, as many potential interviewees as possible. Um, And, you know, it doesn't hurt to get as many interviews and record those interviews and have those at your disposal as you go through actually building your video documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the requirements of Student Cam is that students must use some supporting C-SPAN footage. So my question is, where should students find their C-SPAN video clips, and what should they do if they run into any issues with those video clips? Yeah, so finding those perfect supporting clips of footage can be one of the more challenging aspects of the competition for students, but we try to help them as much as possible by adding clips of downloadable C-SPAN footage to our StudentCam website on a weekly basis. Our downloads page has hundreds of new and old clips on a wide variety of topics, and students can easily search those topics uh, by keywords, and they can preview the available clips and uh, download them directly free from the site. They can also go to the cspan.org website, which is the entire archives of C-SPAN. But if they're having any difficulty finding related programming, they can always email us, and we're happy to provide them with additional options. That email address is listed at the bottom of every page on the Student Camp site, but for those listening now, it's simply educate at c-span.org.org. So just a reminder, studentcam.org, we have plenty of clips already downloaded and cut for your students for a variety of different topics. But aside from the research we've talked about and the interviews and the C-SPAN video clips, Pam, what other elements stand out historically in our winning videos? We frequently get asked what we're looking for in a winning video, which is understandable, but we always stress that it is the students' work and interest that is what is important. And every year, we are surprised by the techniques and styles that they use in their videos. One word of advice is to be creative in your presentation. Include visuals such as charts, graphs, and images that reflect the topic. Students have used animation with clay or Legos, which has been fun to see. We also ask them to consider their setting. Students have gone to a location that is relevant to their topic to share their information. Humor can work, too, when it's used appropriately. Related music can enhance the video, but ensure that it isn't too loud or that it dominates the film. So the bottom line here is for students to use their own talents and interests to put their own spin on it, and that comes through when we watch their documentaries. Final word of advice we share with students is to make sure your documentary tells a story with the interviews, research, C-SPAN video, and visuals that are woven together effectively. So we have our documentary done. We have it submitted. Craig, here's the big question. What kind of prize money are we talking about? Yeah, so as we mentioned earlier, we award $100,000 in cash prizes to the top 150 student-produced documentaries. And that includes a $5,000 grand prize for the best video overall, and then uh, you know, 149 other prizes uh, for the remaining films, totaling $100,000. 
So it's also important to note if you're a teacher and you have students enter and win one of the top 50 prizes in the competition, you will also receive a cash prize. So if you're looking for a full breakdown of the prizes, you can find that on the Student Chem website. But yeah, just really want to impress upon you, beyond the cash prizes, there are so many neat things that come about as a result of the students participating in this competition, not the least being that we actually air the top 20 winning videos. They air on our network um, during the month of April, and those are broadcast to millions of households all across the country. So now that their documentaries are complete, they're submitted, um, what other recognition do our student cam participants get outside of, of what Craig just mentioned? So one of the highlights for everyone at C-SPAN is to recognize the winners. As Craig mentioned, the top videos air, but we also like to celebrate them in their communities. So we send press releases out to their local media to help spread the word. So prior to COVID, we would travel around the country and conduct ceremonies in their schools where students, school staff, and elected officials would attend to celebrate their accomplishments. But with everything transitioning to a virtual environment the last two years, Our team, along with the marketing group, reached out to get congratulatory messages from elected officials at the federal, state, and local levels. And some responded with citations to honor the student winners, but others sent videos. Let's listen to Florida State Representative Anna Escamani and Maryland Congressman David Trone as they share their winning messages from last year's competition. The C-SPAN student camp competition requires creativity. It requires storytelling. It requires political research and being able to to help help bring together different community members around sharing who we are as a society. And I'm just so proud of our students locally for playing a leadership role in this work. And of course, thank you for highlighting just the incredible talent we have here in Central Florida. And I can't wait to see what's next for y'all. Congratulations again. Congratulations to all of our students who participated and to all of our students who brought home awards. We are so proud of you and can't wait to see what comes next. Hi, Eileen and Kevin, Congressman David Trone here. I want to congratulate you both on winning second prize and fan favorite in this year's C-SPAN student cam competition. It's a pleasure to speak with you both about the importance of science and policy making. Like I said in our discussion, trusting science and thinking long-term is how we create a better future for the next generation. Congratulations again. I can't wait to see you both will continue to make positive changes in our community. Yeah, so for me, these are personal notes of congratulations from the officials and other dignitaries. They're so impactful because the students get to see firsthand how their hard work producing their videos has been shared with the media, elected officials, and other influential people in their city and state. So each of the top 50 prize-winning students receive their own page on our student camp site, and that's where we aggregate all of the accolades that their work receives, including the articles that are written about them, the citations they receive, as well as these video congratulations like you just heard. Um, and that page is forever archived on our site. It can not only be shared with friends and family, but it can even be used as part of their portfolios as they start to begin their preparations uh, to apply for college. Yeah, students truly benefit from the skills they develop as well as the connections they make through their research and their interviews. From scholarships to universities to securing internships or even finding their career paths, we love hearing their stories every year and following them as they grow. So actually, one person who comes to mind is Michael Piscati. This young man entered and won prizes every year when he was a student in grades 6 through 12. He's now a journalist with a media company in New York. And as a matter of fact, we connected last year, but he was 
going to do a feature on one of our student cam winners in a story. So it was fun to be able to catch up with him and talk with him and see how his experience shaped his life, but how he was also creating opportunity for someone else. Yeah, love Michael Pascati. Uh, another two, we had Adam Cook and his partner Tyler Cooney. They first entered as juniors in 2017 and told us stories of how the competition helped them and uh, you know in their own uh, academic careers, but also uh, their own networking. So the first year that they entered, they started working on their documentary the weekend before the deadline, uh, which was you know a pretty short time frame. But they still ended up winning a second prize that year. Um, and during that course of that week, they were fortunate to land an interview with then Lieutenant Governor Kim Reynolds. Miss Reynolds, of course, went on to become uh, governor of Iowa. And when they reached out to then Governor Reynolds in 2018 for their next documentary, she actually introduced Adam and Tyler to a number of other public officials who they were able to interview for their documentary. And that ended up winning grand prize that year. So Adam, we've kept in touch. He's discovered a passion for politics uh, in part through the participation in a competition and uh, is well on his way as he currently serves as a co-chair for the National Council of College Leaders. It's also been exciting to see the actual impact students have had in their communities. And I'm thinking, Craig, about our middle school winner from Florida last year. Yeah, another wonderful story. So a young seventh grader from Florida last year, Eliza Lammers, she did her video on maternal mortality. Uh, and that was after nearly losing her own mother during her own childbirth. So uh, long story short, her documentary on that issue won a third prize award in the middle school division last year. And after seeing the press about her winning entry, members from the Florida House actually reached out to Eliza about using her video to help pass an initiative in the state house that looks to expand Medicaid coverage for mothers and babies from 60 days to a full year following childbirth. So I believe that is still waiting federal approval, but for a seventh grader to see their work have an impact on something like that, I mean, it really brings home the potential for students to affect change. And that's what this competition is all about, affecting change and making our local communities better. And this week's episode about Student Cam featured tips for getting started, ideas for supporting students throughout the filmmaking process, and testimonials from students and teachers on the impact the competition has had on them, their classrooms, their schools, and their local communities. We sincerely hope that you will consider incorporating Student Cam into your class projects or that you'll share this opportunity with your students who might be interested in public policy or filmmaking so that they can participate. As a reminder, the deadline for submission for students is Thursday, January 20th, 2022. Yeah, just as a final reminder, you can access all of this information as well as the teacher resources and more at studentcam.org. All of the resources that we've discussed in this episode are also posted on the podcast page on our C-SPAN Classroom featured resources site at cspan.org slash classroom. If you or your students would like to connect with our team to answer any further questions, please email us anytime at educate at c-span.org. That's it for this week. With the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor coming up, join us next time as we take a look at military history. We'll feature archival newsreels and listen to oral histories. We'll also highlight ideas for how to use C-SPAN resources in the classroom. Until then, thank you again for joining us.